This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Hey, if we haven't met yet, my name is Kevin, uh, and I get the opportunity to teach you today. We are in the final week of our series, Bad Dates, Roommates, and Soulmates, and we are talking, like I've told you for the last few weeks, about Intimacy 101. So all levels of intimacy in a marriage, including uh, intimacy in the bedroom. So like I said, it looks like most of the kids are gone. Feel free to keep your kids in here. That is fine. This will open up door for some great conversations. But if you're not ready to have those conversations yet, well, excuse them to the junior high or the high school or the elementary school ministry. But, but actually, like uh, this is what I would tell you. If you've been trying to figure out how to have this conversation with your kids, let me start the awkward ball rolling. And then you guys can just pick it up and talk to your kids about this kind of stuff because it's really good stuff. It's from God. And we're just going to jump right into it. A couple of things you're going to want to have to really connect this morning is that Connect card, which is why we call it the Connect card, because it helps you connect. So put your name and email address on it. We'll give you some ways to follow up later on this morning. By the way, if you are a guest with us today, if you would just put your name and information on there and drop it in the baskets later, we have a gift for you at our Connect kiosk. So make sure you do that. We have a little something for you. The other thing you're going to want are your teaching notes, because one of the things I'm going to have you do is actually go back over these notes later on this week with your spouse. So make sure you're filling these in, following along, connecting there. We are talking about intimacy today, because the truth is God designed us for intimacy on a number of levels, intimacy with him, intimacy with friends, but then in a very unique way, intimacy with our spouse. And so we're going to get into uh, some of the, the intricacies of intimacy with our spouse. And I thought the best way to do this is actually just to tell some very personal stories about my wife's and my intimate experiences. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. Some of you who know me are like, yeah, that sounds about right. He's just going to kind of go for it. My wife turned bright red when I said that. It was awesome. It was awesome. No, actually, I'm going to have Pastor Ron and Monica share their stories today. That's the plan. So, and now I'm going to get in trouble later. Not from Ron, from Monica. She'll come get me. Uh, I want you to know that we are going to enter into some waters that we don't talk about in the church very often, but we should talk about them because God talks about them. So just get ready. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to, to look at your partner. It's okay. You don't have to, to be nervous about this. This is some really good stuff that God wants us to jump into today, and I know that we are a, a good community to really engage with this. The truth is this sermon is for everyone. If you're not married, or even if you are married, a lot of the things that we're talking about today translate directly into a relationship with God, because the type of intimate relationship that God designed a married couple to have, with a few notable exceptions, is the kind of intimate relationship he wants to have with you. He really does, which is why over and over again in the Bible, God talks about his relationship with us like a bride and a groom. Notice Isaiah 62 says, as a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over her bride, so will your God rejoice over you. Over and over and over again in the Bible, God says, I am like a groom and you are like my bride. That's the kind of relationship I want to have, this this beautiful, intimate, loving relationship. And so a lot of the things we're going to talk about can translate into our relationship with God. So if you're here and you're single, um, or or you're, you're, yeah, for whatever reason, you think, oh, this just isn't for me. I want to tell you it is. God wants to encounter you this morning. And if you're married, this is definitely for you, because we're going to be talking about some things that we don't talk about in marriages too often. And because of it, our marriages suffer. And God does not want your marriage to suffer, and I don't want your marriage to suffer. I want it to be incredible. I want it to be everything that it could and should be, everything God designed 
for it to be. So get ready. When I talk about intimacy, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the sharing of our innermost world with another person. This is things like um, giving information and sharing information at a soul level, at our deepest level. Intimacy is about being completely open and vulnerable with no shame, no embarrassment, no fear. Ron reminded us last week that in Genesis, the man and the woman uh, came together. They were one flesh, uh, which is a way of saying that they were intimate. But what it says, which is a beautiful thing, is they were naked and felt no shame. They were completely themselves, and they felt no shame. They had this oneness. They had an incredible intimacy. I would say that intimacy is the place where two lives collide into one. And that's both what God wants to do with you. God wants to collide, encounter, grab you where you are. And that's what God wants for your marriage. It wants to be where two lives collide into one. Let me pray, and then we're just going to go ahead and jump right into a very exciting topic today. Holy Spirit, uh, thanks for my friend's first service, who had a great time connecting with you, connecting with each other. Uh, Thank you for my friends who are here this service. I know that you're going to work in and through them today as they hear these words from you. Would you help us to be open to the things you want to say? Would you help us to be honest about where we are so that you can bring us to a place of beauty in our marriages, of love in our marriages, and for every person here, that you could bring us to an incredibly deep, real, personal relationship with you, our creator, our sustainer, our God. We are so excited about this morning. Amen. I want to start this morning, before I get into specifics, with one of the most beautiful pictures of what a marriage should be. It is. It's an incredible picture. This is the type of relationship that the world is drawn to, that, that people see and they think, that's what I want. And it actually draws people to God. And we find it in Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul says in verse 21, submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. And it's important to remember what Christ did, who he was. The Bible says that, that, God was a, that Jesus was at God's right hand, but he left perfection. He came down to a broken world to rescue you to be with you, to encounter you, to to draw you into a relationship with himself, to give his life as a sacrifice for you, to call you back to God, to love you, to serve you. And so Paul says, because you've experienced Christ, because you've encountered him, because he's changing your lives, submit yourselves one to another. Submit simply means put the other person before you. Put their needs, their hopes, their dreams, their desires before your needs, hopes, dreams, and desires not because they deserve it. And ladies, you can testify to this. Your husband does not always deserve to have you submit to him, right? He does not do things all the time that would make you think, I want to put your needs before mine, honey. That's just a really great idea today. But, but Paul doesn't say do it because he deserves it. Paul says do it out of reverence for Christ because you've encountered God. Husbands, your wife doesn't always, she deserves it a lot more than you do probably, but she doesn't always deserve you to submit to her. But he says, do it out of reverence to Christ. Submit yourselves one to another. That's why I keep saying this, encountering God is so important because when the person doesn't deserve it, we've encountered the living God. And when we didn't deserve it, he gave his life for us and he empowers us to give our lives for our spouse. So he goes on to say, this is how it plays out in a marriage. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband's as to the Lord, not because your husband is the best thing since sliced bread, although he probably is. Do it out of reverence for God. Do it because you love the Lord. And then husbands, this is what he says to you. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What did Christ do? He served, he loved, he sacrificed, he cherished the church. So he says, husbands, that's how you submit to your wives. 
by loving, sacrificing, cherishing. This is why I say this is one of the greatest, if not the greatest single intimacy builder in a marriage. It's when we encounter God and he gives us the power to give ourselves to the other person, to submit, to say, I want you to succeed. I want you to experience the fullness of life. And the world sees that and they're drawn to God. It's an incredible thing. So I want to talk this morning about four different types of intimacy. I would say there are at least four, although there may be even more than that. And yes, we are going to talk about sex this morning. We're going to talk about the first three first, but we're going to spend the majority of our time on intimacy in the bedroom for a few reasons. One, because we talk about the other three in church quite a bit. The other three things I'm going to say should not be new to you if you've been around New Life for any period of time. These first three types of intimacy should be fairly known to us, so it's a refresher course And a second reason I'm going to spend most of our time talking about sex is because God talks about it. And so if he's going to talk about it and he's not embarrassed, why should we be embarrassed? He created us for it. He wants us to experience all of the intimacy in the bedroom that he has. But the truth is pastors are generally too embarrassed to talk about it, so we don't get into this topic in the church. But guess what? I'm not too embarrassed. (laughs) I'm still young enough to not be embarrassed about this. So... It's okay. Although it was so fun, I got to tell you, oh man, I'm losing my time already. We had a gal whose grandparents were here from the Midwest for the first time for a service. Awesome. Okay, so fun. Uh, the grandmother talked to my wife afterwards. I don't think she actually knew it was, it was my wife. She said, yeah, that, that young pastor, he did a good job talking about that topic. That was really good. So, hey, if, an, if a Midwestern grandparent couple really connects, you can connect this morning. I promise you can. The Bible uses poetic language to talk about intimacy. Look at the book Song of Solomon. My goodness, it is all about an intimate romantic relationship between a couple. It also is very specific, not just metaphorically, not just poetically, but very specifically. Paul says things in Ephesians when he's talking about sex. He says things like this, Don't deprive each other of sex, except perhaps by mutual consent, so that you may separate for a short period of time to pray, then come back together again so Satan will not have a foothold in your life because of your lack of self-control. It's a very direct, very clear thing. If our church followed that, we'd either have people in our church who had a lot better sex lives or a lot better prayer lives, and God wants both. So <laughs> let's just get into it today. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's go for it. So let's talk about the four different types. The first type of intimacy is day-to-day intimacy. That's sharing details of your day with your spouse. I'm so lucky that my parents modeled this for me. I didn't know they were doing it, but every day when my dad got home, he's a principal, he'd get home from work about five o'clock. My mom would go to the door. By the way, this was not the 50s. This was the 80s, but she still went to the door, opened it up, gave him a big hug, greeted him. They said hi to us, and then they went right into the kitchen to cook dinner and talk to each other just to share the facts of their day. They were both in education. They shared what was happening in their day. We loved it because we got to watch a little extra cartoons and TV. They loved it because they found day-to-day intimacy in their marriage. I want to give you some specific ways to build day-to-day intimacy. I'll give you some tips for each of these. The first one is take the first 15 minutes of your day when you come back together to talk about your day. Now, I know when you come back together, you have a lot vying for your time. Your kids, the dinner, the dishes, all sorts of stuff. Take the first 15 minutes. Give the kids a kiss. Send them off to do their homework or play or, you know what, save. Give them that 15 minutes to watch TV. That's fine. They will thank you for it. Uh, And then just go off and talk to your spouse about your day. Don't neglect it. Les and Leslie Parrott, who are marriage counselors, say that is the most important time for a couple to connect. It's right when they get home after they've been apart for a long period of time. So do that. 
Ron's talked to us about some other things over the last month and a half. Eat meals together as a family on a regular basis. That's how we share in that day-to-day intimacy, not just with our spouse, but with our kids. Another one is to date your spouse. And Ron actually challenged us last week, in the next two weeks, date your spouse. How many of you started that, went on a date last week? Okay, we have some making up to Ron did. He loves it. His wife loves it. A few of you guys did. Awesome. Date your spouse. You've got one more week to do it, and then the world's going to end. No, I'm just kidding. But you should date your spouse today as if the world were going to end tomorrow. Let's be honest. I'm not talking about expensive dates. I'm talking about things like a walk around the block. Just connect with each other. Talk to each other. Have a good time. If you master day-to-day intimacy, it leads to the next type of intimacy, heart-to-heart intimacy. This is generally the type that women crave most and men find hardest to give. This is the part where we share our hopes and our dreams and our fears and our excitements. We go beyond sharing information about the day, going to the deeper heart levels of what's going on in our lives. Guys, we need to step up in this area. We really do. We need to share with our wives our heart, what's going on. I want to give you a tip. Make a list of intentional questions that you want to ask each other. And once a week, at least, just talk about those questions. They can be things like, what are your dreams? What are you excited about? What are you dreaming about? If your husband doesn't respond well to, honey, what are your dreams? Word it in a way that he can respond well to it. What are your hopes? What's your vision for the future? Guys like vision, right? So what's your vision for the future, honey? And then just talk about it. Build that heart-to-heart intimacy. Open up about the deep things that are going on. That creates this incredible relationship in a marriage because you're opening up to that person like you don't open up to the rest of the world. Everyone gets your day-to-day. Your spouse gets your heart, though. A third one is soul-to-soul intimacy. That's where we experience a deep relationship with God as we journey together as a couple. We've talked about this quite a bit over the last family series and now this relationship series. Having God at the center of a relationship is key for intimacy, and it's key for soul-to-soul intimacy. I'm talking about things like praying together, serving together, worshiping together, putting God first in decisions you make about your time, about your talents, about your resources. This will build uh, that type of soul-to-soul intimacy that God wants for you. Here's a few ways you can do that. We're all taking the New Testament challenge together. If you don't have your reading log, get it at the developed kiosk before you leave. Go through the New Testament and then talk to your spouse about what you're learning through the New Testament. You would think that that would be easy for a pastor especially, but I can tell you, Maria and I had gotten out of that habit. We both have our devotional times, but then we go off to our days, and it wasn't until we got into the New Testament challenge that we said we want to be talking about the things we're learning. Because God wants to do something in that, and it's been great for us this week. And then pray together. That's a great way to build soul-to-soul intimacy. When your wife or your husband share their hopes, dreams, fears, excitements, say, can I pray for you? Can we pray for our kids? Can we pray for our work? Can we pray together and serve together in in ministry? Sometimes Maria leads worship up here, and uh, it's one of my favorite days when she does. It is a hard day when she leads worship, I'll tell you. We have to get all the kids' lunches together the night before. Those are my two kids up there. Maddie's almost three and Landon's seven months. Uh, They were on the video kissing me. That wasn't someone else's kids. That was my kids. Um, So we have to get everything ready the night before. Showers, everything done, clothes laid out. We're up at five o'clock. We're at the church by seven o'clock, and we're here till one o'clock on those days. It's a long day. If you have little kids, you know that is not an easy day, but it is my favorite day by far with Maria, because she's using her gifts at leading worship. I'm using my gifts at preaching and teaching, and we're doing it together, and I love it, and I'm drawn to her on those days like no other time. So serve together as a couple. I'm going to give you one opportunity to serve at the end of the morning coming up on the 15th of this month. And then the last type of intimacy is body-to-body intimacy. 
you've had plenty of time to check your kids into kids' life or the construction zone. So if you have, you know, mean emails, send them to Justin at newlifepetaluma.org. He'd be happy to hear from you. Seventy-five percent of couples who were surveyed recently said that they are not having mutually fulfilling sexual encounters with their spouse. It should not be that way with Christians. It just shouldn't. Some of you are in this room are saying, yeah, that's me. Others of you are saying, I can't believe that. How could that be? Well, the truth is there are some really big roadblocks to intimacy in the bedroom. And I want to get into those roadblocks. And then I want to talk about some ways to build intimacy. So let's be really honest here about these roadblocks. As I'm reading them off, do a little self-assessment. Is this something that we need to talk about in our marriage? The first roadblock is fatigue. Yeah, we are, as a society, working more than ever before. The invention of the light bulb gave us the opportunity to work into the night after the sun went down, and we take full advantage of that. And we are exhausted at the end of the day. Add on top of that, kids and their schedules and their routines and their sports and, and the ministry that God wants us to be doing, and, and we're tired. It's true. We need to know that fatigue is a roadblock to intimacy in the bedroom. So here's a tip. Don't wait till you're exhausted to be intimate. We all get a lunch break, people. Okay? <laughs> and then for a lot of us, our, our past is a huge roadblock. Our past follows us into the bedroom. It really does. And it causes roadblocks in our marriage, in our marriage bed. It could be anything. It could be that you felt unloved as a child. It could be that you were abused sexually or otherwise. And it's caused a, a really difficult time for you to relate to your husband or your wife, to feel safe around them. It, it could be that you were taught by your parents or grandparents or maybe in your church that sex was bad or nasty or carnal. You know, every time you heard the word sex, it was something you shouldn't do. So then when you got married, it's like, how do I switch over to this is something I should do now? And you had a hard time with that. And so you still have these lingering feelings or thoughts. It could be that past sexual encounters with other partners have followed you into the bedroom. I said to our, our singles, and actually to all of us a few weeks ago, it's so important to reestablish sexual purity, to wait to have sex until you're married. And this is one of the key reasons why, because past sexual encounters follow us into our marriage bed. And they can really put roadblocks up between you and your spouse. And God doesn't want that for you. But it's not just other people. In a room this size, I know that, that fantasy and pornography and masturbation are, are real. There are some of us right now who are really struggling with that, who are stuck in that. I want to tell you that is not a private, personal sin. Even if you don't think anybody knows about it, it is affecting your relationship. I, I'll be honest with you. I struggled with pornography addiction in my late teens, up to about the time I was 20, for about three years. I really struggled with it uh, on a regular basis, and it ended dating relationships over time. Uh, by God's grace, I hit rock bottom with that. I found an accountability partner, a friend of the same sex that I could be honest with, I got rid of the temptation. Jesus says, if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. I got rid of internet, TV, all that kind of stuff in my house. And I said, God, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to be pure. And I did that before I met Maria. And God was able to bless that. And it didn't follow me into the bedroom. But I know for some of us, past encounters or present encounters are really difficult for you. If that's you, find someone of the same sex that you trust, that you can be honest with, and, and have them keep you accountable. Now, that's not just someone to forgive you when you mess up. That's someone to hold you accountable, to call you, to make sure that you live the way God wants you to live. If you need some information about how to break that in your life, grab my card before you leave. Give me an email. We can talk about it. I can help you out. But that can really affect us. There is no private sin. Jesus says, if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, right? We read this in the New Testament challenge. You are committing adultery because he knows that the thought, the process, the mind, 
can be destructive in a relationship. So he says, don't go down that path. Another roadblock to intimacy is unrealistic expectations. How many of you love romantic comedies? Go ahead, raise your hand. Yeah, I'm going to slam it in a minute, but that's okay. Raise your hand. Yeah, it's, I'm going to. I'm sorry. I call romantic comedies emotional porn. That's what I call them. <laughs> I do. Romantic comedies do for your emotions what pornography does for your view of sex. It distorts your emotions. Let's take the notebook, for example. We own the notebook. I married into the notebook. It's not my fault. Okay, couple's engaged. This is the backdrop. Couple's engaged. She goes and finds an old lover, and they get back together, and it's raining, and the swans are swimming around, and there's music playing, and the camera's going around them, and we're like, that is so romantic. We forget that she's engaged and having an affair. This is not romantic. This is destructive. If that was your fiancé, you would not think it was so romantic. You just wouldn't. But we are bombarded with images and pictures and ideas of what sex and marriage and relationships should be, and they give us unreal expectations. All the guys expect their wife to look like Pamela Anderson from Baywatch, and all you ladies expect your husband to look like David Hasselhoff or someone you find attractive. We expect marriage and sex to be bliss, 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 happy, 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 you know, orgasm all the time. We do, but that's not realistic. Sex takes work. Marriage takes work. Your wife is not going to look the same as she did when you first got married 20 years ago. She's different. She's more beautiful to you, though, if you're living the kind of marriage that God has for you. Your sex life is better after 30 years than it was when you first got married, not worse if you're living the kind of life that God has for you. So we need to take those unreal expectations, throw them out the window, and get a biblical picture of intimacy that only God can give. Let's keep going on to uh, another roadblock, which is unresolved conflict. Unresolved conflict can follow us into the bedroom, and it can cause a huge roadblock in our intimacy. It reminds me of the couple, and you know this type of couple, uh, they've been married for about six months, and they've never gotten into a fight. They make the rest of us look bad, right? They make the rest of us angry. They're always holding hands and loving each other and tapping each other on the tush, doing that whole thing. And this couple, this husband and wife, so they've been married for about six months now, and they get into their first fight one evening. And it starts out small. Should the dishes go on this side of the sink or that side of the sink? But it escalates like those arguments do till they're yelling at each other. They're saying things, and he's thinking, when did, I, when did she turn crazy? Right? And she's thinking, who is this, this abuser, this man that's yelling at me? And she's, a, she's attacking, he's withdrawing, and they're going through all the normal relationship stuff. Until about 2 a.m., and they're exhausted, and they fall into bed, still fighting, turn to the opposite sides of the bed, and they feel like they're a million miles away from each other, even though they're sharing a marriage bed. They get up the next morning, a little bit rested, but no less feisty, and they get right back into their fight. They're going for it. They're going strong. He's getting his Wheaties. He's eating his food. He needs some fuel for this fight. And, uh, and he sits down at the table, and she's just going for it. That's probably not a good thing to do. She's just, I wouldn't know what that's like. Finally, he says, enough! And he slams his hand down on the table. I'm out of here! And he goes to work. And she thinks, abuser! He's going to beat me. I know it. This is horrible. And so she, run, she goes off to work, too, because she has to go to work, but she's crying and bawling. Her makeup's all dripping down. Her boss says, look, you're not any good to anyone, okay? Go home, work it out with your husband, and then come back tomorrow ready to work. So she goes home, and she's crying the whole way, you know, and she turns around the corner, and she sees his truck in the driveway, and he's underneath it working on his truck. She thinks, oh, he's home. That means he wants to talk and fix things. 
But then she remembers how, how little she felt when he hit the table and when he said those things to her. And she thinks, what a jerk. I'm going to take back what's rightfully mine. I'm going to take the power in the relationship. So he's underneath the truck. He's working on it. And she sneaks up real quiet. And she gets down and she grabs his jeans and she unbuttons them and she yanks them down to his ankles. And he slams his head and he's yelling, oh, my head, my head. And she runs inside thinking, that was it. I got him. Now I have control. And she goes right in the front door and she sees her husband sitting at the front table. And he says to her, honey, did you see the pastor outside? (laughs) Unresolved conflict can be awkward both inside and outside of the marriage bedroom. That's why the Bible says things like, do not let the sun go down on your anger. In your anger, sin not. Don't give the devil a foothold. Unresolved conflict can affect the intimacy and will affect the intimacy in our relationships. Now, a little word to the wise, because I thought this, I took this literally, and I, in the beginning of our marriage, was always trying to to work things through. I'm the opposite of Maria, of most men. I'm the pursuer. She's the retreater in our relationship. So I'd go and go and go until two or three in the morning. I'm not at my best at two or three in the morning. Okay, I need my beauty sleep if I'm going to really resolve conflict. Here's what I would say from experience. You don't have to resolve the conflict at 2 a.m. Tell her you love her. Let's go to bed. Let's fix it in the morning because sometimes you're just going to make things worse the longer you go into the night. What the Bible is saying here is don't let time go by, long periods of time before you deal with this conflict. It will affect you. Uh, and then the last, uh, the last one is male and female differences. We're different. We're different biologically. Check an anatomy book if you don't believe me. We're different emotionally. When was the last time your husband said, honey, I just want to be held tonight? Just, just spoon me as we watch TV. Would you do that? We're different sexually. Men are like a light switch. We turn on quick and we turn off quick. Women are like an iron. It takes some time to heat up. The problem is sometimes we've turned the lights off before the ironing's done, right? We're different You need to become a student of your spouse. She or he is different than you, and you need to study them, get to know them, know how they work if you want to have intimacy. So let's talk about some ways to build safety and intimacy in the bedroom. It takes communication. Communication is key. Communication about sexual things. If you can't talk about it, you shouldn't be doing it. Communication about sexual things. Likes, dislikes, what makes you feel loved, what makes you feel used, what makes you feel dirty. I'm amazed at the amount of couples who don't ever talk about this kind of stuff. It takes a commitment to talking about non-sexual things. You don't just focus on intimacy in the bedroom. We need to focus on the other three areas of intimacy as well. We need to talk to each other about non-sexual things. We need to create an atmosphere of affection that develops outside of the bedroom. Guys, I'm going to say something that might seem like an oxymoron to you. It's called non-sexual touching. I I know, weird, right? non-sexual touching. That means not when you're running to the bedroom giving her a tap. It means rubbing her back when you're out outside at work or when you're at church. It means holding her hand as you walk down the street. It means cuddling and spooning just for the sake of cuddling and spooning. I'll tell you, it seems contrary. It doesn't seem like it makes sense, but it works. Look at it in Genesis 26. When Isaac, Isaac had been there a long time, so he was an older guy now, Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, looked down from his window and he saw Isaac caressing his wife, Rebecca. It was this non-sexual touching, this caressing, this loving her outside of the bedroom, which builds safety and intimacy inside the bedroom. We need to have an atmosphere of affirmation. Generally, it's difficult for women to tell their husbands that they're proud of them. 
The husbands need to hear that. And generally, guys forget to tell their wives how much they love them, how beautiful they are, but women need to hear that. We need to have good communication and affirmation. And then we need to engage in recreational activities that we both enjoy outside of the bedroom. Ecclesiastes 9.9, enjoy life with your wife. It's a good word. How many couples do you know whose kids go off to college and they look over at the stranger sitting next to them and say, you don't look like the woman I married 20 years ago or the guy I married 20 years ago. Who are you? I don't know you anymore. And they have to start from scratch. It's like their marriage is starting over. Some marriages succeed at that point and some marriages fail at that point. God says enjoy recreational activities that you both like. Become friends. Stay friends. Not just business partners to raise your kids. And then finally, have an attitude of serving Sex is a way to give yourself to your partner. It's about giving, not taking. It's about um, uh, opening yourself up, not demanding. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, what I read earlier to you, do not deprive each other except by mutual consent so that you can devote yourselves to prayer. Do not deprive each other. Give yourself to the other as an act of love, as an act of commitment. Say, here I am, all of me. I'm naked and unashamed. I am yours. I want to give us some ways to put today's teaching into practice. I have a few ways for married couples only. uh, And I want to be very clear about that. And then I have a few things that are for everybody. First two are for married couples. Married couples, I want you to commit to sitting down today or this week with your husband or your wife and talking through the teaching notes. Take them home with you and commit to talking through them. I already got the ball rolling for you. But do some inventory. Where are you on the four levels of intimacy? What are those roadblocks really hit close to home for you? What does God want to grow you in? Start talking about this type of stuff. I'm amazed at how many people just can't talk to their husband or wife about this. I got the ball rolling. Talk about it. Don't wait three days. It'll feel awkward again. Let me have the awkwardness so you can have the conversation. Talk to your spouse. Also, for you married couples, I want you to follow the motto of Nike this week. What's the motto of Nike? Just do it. Absolutely. Your mouth to God's ears. Just do it. I would say that we should be having sex at least once a week. And here's why I say that. It comes from scripture. God teaches us that the Sabbath is a time of rest that we take weekly to celebrate God, to celebrate the things of God in our lives, the gifts that he's given us. It's a celebration time. Um, The rabbis used to teach, the ancient rabbis used to teach that part of that celebration time was celebrating the gift of your husband or your wife by being intimate with them. So weekly, they said that every couple at least once a week should be intimate with their spouse, barring any sort of medical or physical conditions that would limit that. I would say that's a great starting point for you. For those of you uh, couples who are brand new married, I know it's a starting point for some of us, okay? Some of you guys are like, Kevin, you're a prude once a week, my goodness. Um... (laughs) I said at least once a week, okay? At least once a week. Be intimate. Set that into your schedule. Don't wait till midnight on Sunday night. Be intentional about it. And then for everybody, I want to encourage you to work on those first three areas of intimacy in your relationship with God. Day-to-day intimacy, heart-to-heart intimacy, and soul-to-soul intimacy. And here's how that plays out. We're all taking the New Testament challenge together, so you're already doing that day-to-day intimacy. You're reading your Bible every day. I think that that is key for us as followers of Jesus, to be intimate with God. Heart-to-heart intimacy comes as we pray, and we bear ourselves to God, who hears us and responds. 
Open up about your heart, your soul, your dreams. And then the third one, soul-to-soul intimacy, is all about serving with God in ministry. Find a place to serve where God can meet you. Use the gifts God has given you to serve. I want to give you one quick thing you could do for that type of intimacy, that soul-to-soul. We have this thing coming up called Rebuilding Together Petaluma. And Rebuilding Together Petaluma is a great organization on October 15th. So you're going to pull out your Connect cards now because you're going to want to know this information. October 15th, they're going to be redoing five local parks and working with one vet, uh, to uh, a veteran, to help him rebuild his home. If you're looking for a great, easy way, fun way to start serving, do that. There's some information in your nutshell with a phone number about it. Just go for it. Serve together this week. Serve with God. And then the last thing that I want to talk to you about Some of us need to start that intimate journey with God by becoming followers of Jesus. The Bible says, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door of your life, of your heart, and I knock. If you would open the door and come and be with me, I would eat with you. And the idea of eating there is the evening meal. The evening meal was not a quickie. It was not like breakfast or lunch. It was a long, drawn-out meal. So Jesus is not saying, Open the door, let me take you to Mickey D's. He's not saying, Let's go to Taco Bell. He's saying, Open the door of your life, let me come in and sit with you, and dine with you, and recline with you at your table, and talk, and listen, and share life. He's given the invitation, but some of us have not responded to that. And so I want to give you that chance today. If you've never given your life to God, these things I'm saying are true and real. There is a God who created you, and loves you, and knows you, and forgives your sins. I want you to have an amazing life, and it starts by entering into a relationship with Him. He says, I stand at the door and knock. Open the door, let me come in, let me live in you and dwell with you. So I'm going to give you that chance right now as we pray. If you've never prayed and entered into a personal relationship with Jesus, you can just repeat a simple prayer after me as I pray. Right now, let's all join together in prayer. Lord, would you take these words and would you use them? Would you be, for each of these married couples, drawing them into deeper levels of intimacy on all fronts? Would their marriages be something that show the world that there is a God and that God, you are incredible? Lord, would you be drawing them into intimate, personal, deep encounters with each other and with you? Would their bedroom be a place of self-giving and love and safety where they could say, I'm completely bare before you and unashamed to each other? That's our prayer for each married couple in here. For all of us, would you help us to encounter you in a very real way that helps us lay ourselves bare before you, Lord, knowing that you're here, that you guide, that you speak, that you lead. Would you meet us in this place? As we continue to pray, if you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, today is your day. You sense God stirring in you, calling you, drawing you to himself. You can pray this simple prayer after me. Just repeat it right where you're sitting. Say, Lord Jesus, today I invite you to be the Lord of my life. I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins. And I'm opening the door of my life. Would you come in? Would you guide me? We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.